Some time ago, in our podcast journey through the Wars of the Roses, I examined the King's marriage to Elizabeth Woodville in 1464. I pointed out that the marriage raised to prominence the entire Woodville family, including Elizabeth's two sons from her first marriage and her numerous brothers and sisters. A lot of judgments have been made about the Woodvilles, both by historians and many others interested in this period. Mostly, those comments have been very negative, and mostly they were based on almost no contemporary evidence at all. Because despite the prominent part that this family played in the events of the period, we only have very sketchy knowledge about most of them, except perhaps the Queen herself. The notion persists that the Woodvilles were a problem in the reign of Edward IV, and that they helped to cause the crisis which occurred after Edward's death. I remain unconvinced about that, partly because lumping all members of the family together as if they were some kind of political party is an anachronistic approach. And there is the problem with much modern comment about the Woodvilles. It tends to treat them as if they were an entity. But if we are to accurately assess their role in the crisis at the end of Edward's reign, then we need to look at them as individuals not as members of a faction. Clearly, Edward's queen, Elizabeth, was the most prominent Woodville. I've already said a little about her previously, basically a beautiful widow with two young children who was elevated in the blink of an eye to the status of a Hollywood superstar. Elizabeth showed on numerous occasions that she had a mind of her own. It seems pretty clear to me that then, as now, a strong-minded woman ready and willing to stand up for herself, was often resented by men used to getting their own way. Contemporary evidence suggests that Elizabeth was determined to make the most of her position, defending her rights and property whenever was necessary. And of course, if your husband was the most powerful man in the country, few dared to argue openly against you. Elizabeth's determination to look after her siblings and her sons has earned her much condemnation since. One of the many charges laid at the door of the Woodvilles is their marriages. The Queen had five brothers and six sisters. Suitable marriages had to be arranged for her sisters, though only one of her brothers, John, gained a marriage as a result of this new royal connection. John's marriage, though, was a corker, and one which, shall we say, excited some comment at the time. John was aged 20 when he married the Duchess of Norfolk, Catherine Neville, who was in her 60s. The large Norfolk inheritance was a complicated one, and several heirs were already jockeying for position. The intervention of a young male Woodville was something which none of those heirs would have welcomed. We don't know what Catherine thought about it. Was she appalled, or did she welcome a toy boy? Certainly, Though she had a reputation as a formidable lady, she does not seem to have protested much, so my guess is that the resentment largely came from others. Elizabeth's sisters, it is said, flooded the marriage market and snapped up most of the eligible noble heirs. Well, I think they probably did to a degree, and certainly the marriages gave the newly elevated Woodville family connections with many noble houses. But was that so bad? Noble heirs had to marry someone, and from the king's perspective, 
it was better that they married someone within his own sphere of influence. There is no actual evidence that the grooms of the Woodville sisters resented their marriages. Why would they? True, their new wives came from a family whose status was lower than their own, but they had just married into the royal family and could certainly expect some benefit to accrue from that. Much is made, in particular, of the marriage of the Queen's youngest sister, Catherine Woodville, to Henry Stafford, Duke of Buckingham. They were most likely married in 1465 or 66, when she was about seven and he was eleven years old. Nothing terribly unusual about that. Later it was claimed that Buckingham, a man of royal descent, resented the marriage to the Queen's sister, and was therefore hostile to Woodville's in general. But there is no evidence of that resentment before 1483. Rather, you would think, that Buckingham, like his fellow bridegrooms, might have viewed his marriage as a means of advancement at court. However, there is a little conundrum here, because the fact is that of all his leading peers, Edward IV used the Duke of Buckingham least. He was wheeled out frequently enough in ceremonial roles, but Edward never gave him any important command or responsibility. Why did Edward ignore Buckingham? From the glimpses we have of the man in his brief time in power in 1483, it seems likely that Edward neither trusted him nor rated his abilities. Now there you have a cause for resentment, which makes a lot more sense than being married to the Queen's sister. His lack of influence in Edward's reign must, above all, have rankled to a man who prized his royal lineage so highly. Aside from the Queen herself, the most prominent member of the family was her brother, Anthony Woodville, Earl Rivers. Rivers was a great deal more than just the Queen's brother. In November 1473, Edward gave him the important position of governor of his heir, young Edward, Prince of Wales. I've seen it written that this was a poor decision on Edward's part, but I can't for the life of me see why. Rivers had everything to recommend him for the post. He was a cultured and well-educated man. Indeed, his patronage of the printer William Caxton singles him out from his peers. He was also an excellent soldier and a man solidly loyal to the king. Though Rivers was not solely responsible for the guidance of the prince, he was clearly a key influence upon young Edward. But Rivers was not a saint. Like every other successful magnate, he did not get where he was without jealously safeguarding his rights, and also having a keen eye for how he might obtain more land. Find me a powerful man in the period who did not do so. Gloucester, Clarence, Neville, Herbert, Percy, Beaufort, Stafford, etc., etc., that was what they all did. Rivers was respected by his peers, and, lest you think that was merely because he was the Queen's brother, let us not forget that Clarence, who was the King's brother, was not always accorded similar confidence. Rivers was undoubtedly in a strong position to influence the next reign because of his close connection to the heir. His concern would be to ensure a smooth succession, but in the 1470s and even in 1483 itself, Rivers could not have foreseen that the succession was going to happen quite so soon. Another prominent Woodville was, confusingly, a Grey. Thomas Grey was Elizabeth's elder son by her first husband, John Grey. 
Thomas was promoted to high noble rank during the 1470s and in 1475 was made Marquess of Dorset. Later, not long before Edward IV's death, Dorset would be given a role in charge of the Tower of London. He and his brother Richard Grey both played important roles in the events of Edward's reign. Richard Grey was based in Ludlow with his uncle Earl Rivers, at the heart of the household of young Edward, Prince of Wales. At this point, we must focus on a very important factor in the later years of the reign, the relationship between the Woodvilles and Edward's closest friend and most loyal courtier, William Lord Hastings. In view of what was to happen in 1483, the evident rivalry between Hastings and certainly one, perhaps several members of the Woodville family, must be seen as of critical importance. However, so much has this issue been embellished over the centuries that it is almost impossible now to tell fact from fiction. One thing we can be certain of, Hastings and Dorset were enemies. That much can be gathered from the fact that in April 1483, the dying King Edward tried to reconcile the two. What the cause was of their mutual hostility is more difficult to fathom, though it appears to have its origins in a rivalry over mistresses. Really? Well, allegedly, yes. Perhaps, though, there is also the fact that Dorset saw himself as one of the up-and-coming courtiers, and might therefore have viewed Hastings as yesterday's man. But Hastings, in his early fifties by 1483, probably felt that he had a key role to play in the state for many years to come. Was Hastings also at odds with other members of the Woodville family, such as Anthony Woodville, Earl Rivers? It is difficult to tell, really. There is talk in some of the primary sources that Rivers resented that Hastings, rather than he, was appointed to the prestigious and strategic role of Lieutenant of Calais. Anthony had held the post before Edward's temporary deposition in 1470. But despite his heroics in saving London in 1471, he somehow incurred Edward's displeasure shortly afterwards. Let's not forget that Calais had the kingdom's only standing army, hence the post's importance. But rivalry over influential or lucrative posts was a fact of life at any court, and Edward's was no exception. It would be misleading to represent every such rivalry as a deadly feud. There is also talk of Queen Elizabeth resenting Hastings' continued encouragement of her husband's mistresses. Perhaps she did see Hastings as a bad influence on her husband, but we know that Edward rarely did anything he did not want to do, and Elizabeth surely must have known that better than most. It seems unlikely to me that Elizabeth would want to make Hastings an enemy, unless, of course, she was just taking her son Dorset's part in their quarrel. Whether there was any truth in these various stories is almost immaterial. The fact was that by April 1483, for whatever reasons, Hastings genuinely regarded Woodville influence in the council and over the new young king as far too strong. How that opinion was reached, and over how long a time, is lost with much else in the fog of the 15th century but it does not really affect our analysis of the 1483 crisis. 
What about the rest of the Woodville family? Well, I am averse in these podcasts to simply giving lists, but let me summarise. Elizabeth's brothers included Edward Woodville, who became a prominent and very capable soldier, Lionel Woodville, a churchman who, amongst other posts, held the see of the Bishop of Salisbury, Richard Woodville, who was the most obscure of the brothers, and finally John, the one who married the elderly Duchess of Norfolk, and he was executed with his father in 1469 during the attempted coup by Warwick. In the 15th century, the fortunes of every noble and baronial family depended upon their social and political connections, both with their peers and their inferiors. The Woodvilles were no different. By the mid-1470s, they were powerful courtiers individually, but there's very little evidence that they were more grasping or rapacious than any other major family at court. By 1483, several members of the Woodville family held positions of importance in the kingdom, but they did not have any sort of overwhelming power. Other men held positions which arguably gave them far more resources than the Woodville. We have already mentioned that Lord Hastings was Lieutenant of Calais, and he was also Lord Chamberlain of the King's household, a post which enabled him to control access to the King. In the north, still something of a foreign land to southerners, the King's surviving brother, Richard Duke of Gloucester, and Henry Percy, Earl of Northumberland, held sway. From 1471 onwards, Lord Thomas Stanley was the Lord Steward of the King's household and controlled a vast area of the northwest of the kingdom. Other magnates, too, exercised control in their various spheres of influence, notably Henry Stafford, Duke of Buckingham in the Welsh Marches, and John Howard in East Anglia. So, it is often casually said that by 1483, the Woodvilles were too powerful. But based upon what happened next, you could argue the opposite. They were not powerful enough. <laughs>